Nearly a decade ago, I found myself filling the hours by listening to podcasts while my husband, Brooks, was training with the U.S. Army. Walking the streets of our Army post, I dreamt of creating something for women that bridged that gap between sermon audio and small talk. It was on the floor of my tiny closet on post that that very dream, the Dream for the Journey Women podcast, came to fruition in June of 2017. And today, by God's grace, Journey Women is now a not-for-profit ministry with the aim of moving women to know and love God more. Our monthly and one-time givers help make our mission possible. If you'd like to support the work that we do, you can make a tax-deductible donation by visiting journeywomen.org forward slash give. Thank you for investing in the work of Journey Women. Welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Belis. Life's a journey we were never meant to walk alone. We all need friends along the way. On the Journey Women Podcast, we'll chat with mentors about gracefully navigating the seasons and challenges we face on our journeys to glorify God. Today, we're launching a brand new series called Walking Alongside One Another In. Our prayer is that these conversations on a host of topics are a blessing to you personally, but they're also designed to help you as you are ministering to others in your local context. We're kicking things off with a conversation on joy and sorrow with my dear friend, Abby Wedgworth. Abby Wedgworth is a wife, mom, and writer located on the South Carolina coast. She's passionate about Bible literacy and discipleship and loves to see how the gospel transforms how people think and live. Abby is the author of Held, 31 Biblical Reflections on God's Comfort and Care in the Sorrow of Miscarriage, the host of the Held podcast, and the curator of the Gentle Leading Advent Devotional for Moms. Now, on to my conversation with Abby Wedgworth on the topic of walking alongside one another in joy and sorrow. Abby Wedgworth, welcome to the Journey Women Podcast. <laughs> Hunter, I am so thankful to be with you. This is so fun. I know. You are a dear friend of mine. We actually developed a friendship over you coming on the podcast years ago. We talked about shame. That podcast was a catalyst for friendship with you. And you've been such a blessing to me personally, but also Journey Women listeners. This girl is behind so much of what we do here at Journey Women, whether she's processing ideas about what series we're going to cover next or graciously editing my writing. <laughs> Abby Wedgworth, here she is, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> no, I feel like every time you say something like that, I'm like, I just can't believe you're my friend. I don't understand what I'm offering you. So that's a gift to feel that way in friendship. Well, when we first met, you had such a heart for women who have walked through the experience of miscarriage. Mm. And I remember you talking about that in conjunction with your passion for motherhood and connecting kind of the richness and the realities of the gospel to everyday life for us as moms. And it's been really neat to see God open up doors for you to have opportunities to be able to serve moms. You write, you also speak and teach, and you're doing that now through a podcast called Held, and you have an upcoming book that's coming out, which is really exciting. A couple of years ago when we met, you would have said, this is the stuff of dreams, and you're kind of living that out right now. Yeah, God's been so kind. I'd love for the listeners to get to hear a little bit more about who you are, what you do, and your precious family. I am a wife. It's hard for me to remember that's my primary 
calling, my primary thing I'm doing. I think of myself first as a mom, I think because that's the bulk of my day, but I really am trying to remember more like I am the thankful wife of David first, you know, loving him and serving him. That's a good word. Instead of giving him the crumbs. And I love David. He sells real estate in Hilton Head and works a lot. So it's just me and the boys a lot. And we love our time with him and we appreciate how hard he works for our family. But yeah, I'm a mom to two boys. They're four and two. And brotherhood is my favorite thing I've ever beheld. Such a joy to watch them play and and grow and interact and pretend. It's just awesome. I'm a church member. I love my church. And it's so important to me that the first place I'm serving is locally. So it's a gift to be able to serve in a church we love and also a friend. My friends are so dear and a huge part of my life. So that's sort of locally. And then more professionally, you mentioned I'm a writer. So Spent a lot of years blogging and publishing articles. And then my first book releases September 1st. And then more recently, a podcaster. Many thanks to you for all your <laughs> generosity with your expertise <laughs> and patience with all my questions. But really, I just love God's word. And I'm so passionate about Bible literacy and discipleship and especially discipleship through parenting. My tagline sort of for the heart behind what I'm doing is just helping people apply the riches of Christ to the realities of life. So whether that's my children or the girls that are babysitting for us or friends, discipleship group, readers, listeners, whatever, that's how I'm spending my days and living my life in pursuit of the glory of God. Bless the Lord. I am such a, what is the right word? A beneficiary of that? Is that the word? Ugh, yeah. Bless the Lord indeed. That's so nice. <laughs> <laughs> As I've come to know you more, I have seen that you're really great at walking alongside me in the things that are very joy-filled and the things that involve hardship and sadness. This whole entire series is comprised of topics that you would deal with as you're walking alongside others in this life. So the actual series is really kind of a series on ministry, which is it. fun because that's what, like you're saying, the ministry that God has given you is really an overflow of the reality of, you know, what he is doing in your own life. So I'd love to talk about that with you today. You know, joy and sorrow. What's it been like for you to walk with women in both of those? Yeah, there's been plentiful experience, especially recently. I think the childbearing years after a really unique microcosm for this, but just super briefly, an example is like the day we heard the heartbeat of the baby that we lost in the womb. That morning, one of my sisters-in-law texted me and had started bleeding and was miscarrying. So we were like rejoicing that our baby was alive and like mourning with her that she was losing pregnancy. And then a couple of weeks later, we lost a baby and my sister was right there pregnant with me and continued, that life continued. And so all the time people are experiencing infertility, getting pregnant unexpectedly, mm -hmm. you know, like people are losing babies, people are trying to grapple with having them and you're seeing pregnancy announcements and infertility stories and it's just rampant with that. So this season of life and walking closely with other people has just really caused me to pay attention mm -hmm. to it. But I think I have been on both sides of it where someone else's loss has made me want to pull away because I'm uncomfortable or where my own loss has made me want to pull away because I'm uncomfortable. So the word of God and the truth of the gospel has a good word for us in this season, which is more than just childbearing years. But when we find ourselves bumping up against someone who's in a really different place than us, just how do we continue to do life with them? And is it worth it? 
Absolutely. I think of so many different scenarios where that would play out. Like actually someone in my Bible study was just expressing her excitement for all of her friends that were getting engaged and all of this celebration that was happening around that and how much she was participating in the planning of all of that celebratory work. (laughs) And yet she's single and she's struggling. And there's so many different seasons. And I know we'll continue to unpack those as we continue this conversation. But what makes it difficult for us to hang out in that tension, experiencing things that are joy-filled, celebrating with others, maybe celebrating ourselves, and then doing the same on the opposite end of the spectrum when we're full of sadness and when we're experiencing hardship. I'm so glad you asked because I think it's a really important question for us to think through either side that we're on. So for the person mourning or the person who's experiencing more hardship, I think a couple of things. One, and this is the ugliest one, envy. I looked at people when we had lost our baby and thought, you have the thing I want. Mm-hmm. And this, it's subconscious really, but, and I would think therefore you're responsible for my pain or you're exacerbating it. And so mm-hmm. when we see people who have the thing we want, like I'm single, you're married, or mm-hmm. I'm looking for a job and you seem to be thriving, that can be a reason we distance ourselves because they're a trigger or perhaps we feel like they're causing us to sin. So another one I think would be isolation. We can feel like no one understands what we are going through. No one's ever felt what I feel. And so we just pull away because we feel so disappointed before we even step up to the plate relationally, isolated by our pain. And then I think also fear, just insecurity of how will people handle my story? If I talk about what I'm going through, Will they be insensitive? Will they not understand? Will I have to explain something I don't even know how to articulate? I think, unfortunately, in the church, a lot of times it just doesn't feel safe to weep, even though it should be the safest place to weep. That's kind of for the mourner or the sufferer or the waiter. I think on the other side, the person who's rejoicing, we just love comfort, Hunter. (laughs) Like I love comfort. And so when we're talking to someone who's really having a hard time and they're in the pit and we're not in the pit, sometimes we forget what it's like to be there or maybe we've never been there the way they are. And so we just want to back up like, this feels really awkward or I can't relate. And this is really uncomfortable for me. So I just don't really want to do it. Part of me feels like I'm afraid of doing it wrong. I don't want to mistakenly hurt you in my feeble attempts to come alongside you. I don't want to add to your pain by saying you're doing the wrong thing. I think that's absolutely something. And then feelings of guilt or responsibility, I think especially in a situation where I was pregnant and someone else was longing for a child and then another friend of mine at the time had just lost a child, you think, man, I'm a trigger for you. I don't want to come anywhere near you with my big belly because you're crying, wishing that your womb was full. And so we pull away maybe because of that. And I think the last one, and this would be the ugly one here, I think is pride and condemnation. Like, you got yourself into this situation. Like I deserve to be where I am or they're overreacting. Like any thoughts that condemn the sufferer that make us want to distance ourselves from them or not have to sort of be responsible for them when we feel like they're responsible for their suffering. Can you think of an example where that might play out? Yeah, I think if you have a girlfriend that you counseled not to marry someone, And they, you know, ignored that counsel and now they're married and it's abusive or they're arguing or, and you're just like, dude, I bore with you through this. I'm not going to listen to you cry about this because I told you, you know, like any situation where you could say, I told you so, or if you feel like they've been walking outside the will of the Lord and they sort of are reaping the benefits of that. I had someone very dear to me lose a child outside of wedlock 
and there had been some deception involved. And that was so painful for me. We talked about boundaries. And so that was a hard situation for me to listen to her weep because all I could see from her simple decisions was death and destruction. And yes, that child was worth mourning, but also it was a situation that I felt like should have never been. And so that was really hard for me to step into her pain. And in that situation, I was pregnant at the time and it was like, man, I don't want to be feeling guilty or sad. I just want to feel happy about where Mm -hmm. I am. Oh, that feels ugly to share. As you prepare for the summer, we want to share a unique way to introduce your non-believing friends to a local church, Skylark. If you're in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, you need to know about Skylark Summer Camp for your kids or as a means to supplement evangelism. Skylark partners with gospel-centric churches to provide summer camps as a means of childcare. By meeting parents' needs for summer childcare for kids having completed kindergarten through fifth grade, Skylark positions the local church to meet the spiritual needs of their community. They offer gospel-rich curriculum that is new each day of their summer camp. Kids can attend for one week, a few weeks, or all 11 weeks. Choose from one of their four locations offering a full summer program in Dallas, Plano, Allen, and Mansfield. The cost is $325 a week, but you can use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off every single week. What? Head on over to CampSkylark.com to learn more. That's C-A-M-P-S-K-Y-L-A-R-K dot com and use the code JOURNEYWOMEN for 50% off. I think it's really helpful and I hope that the listeners are thinking about wherever they might feel this tension in their own life. I really appreciate the examples that you offer because it helps me kind of do some introspection and just consider where I might be experiencing this as we do every week. Uh, Let's move forward with seeking the wisdom of the word. What wisdom does God's word offer to us as we seek to love women who are in maybe a different season than we are? If you want to do a quick Google search, wherever you are, just for the one another commands in the New Testament, that's a great place to start. Just how are we to treat other members of the body? Love one another, bear with one another, consider one another more important than yourselves, serve one another, forgive one another. Like, And there's so much sacrifice and humility required when we approach other people in the body of Christ. And Romans 12, Mm -hmm. particularly verses 9 through 21, have been such a great encouragement to me in navigating this tension. But it talks about weeping and rejoicing with one another. And those things happen all at once. And there's beauty that emerges out of that tension. And I think just being familiar with the story of Scripture on the Mm -hmm. whole helps us to embrace the present reality of the fallen world that we live in, but also acknowledge what we possess through the finished work of Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit and all the ways he's equipped us and also just turns our gaze to Mm -hmm. the the promise of what he has secured for us, the inheritance that is ahead. So we live our lives with not the long view, but a longer view into eternity. So, you know, being aware of the fallenness of this world helps us to not be surprised by our own suffering or the actions of others or suffering in the lives of others. We just expect it. It's a reality that we become not less grieved by, but more comfortable with as we experience it. Do you ever find yourself surprised by suffering? I know I do. 
It's like Peter's words not to be surprised by the fiery trial don't really apply to me or to the people I'm walking alongside. What would it look like not to feel like something strange were happening to me or to the people I love when it comes to suffering? Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. James says, count it all joy, brothers, when you face trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Paul says, indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And I consider the sufferings of this present time not worth the glory that is to be revealed to us. Peter says, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. As we continue to navigate life on this side of eternity, we remind ourselves and the people that we're coming alongside that we are promised hardship, but none of it is wasted. And by God's grace, we aren't alone in our suffering. We have a high priest who is able to sympathize with our weaknesses and struggles. Because of his sacrifice, we can boldly approach the throne of grace in our time of need. And not only that, but in his kindness, God has given us one another so that we can walk alongside each other and comfort one another with the same comfort we have received from him. May we seek to faithfully walk alongside one another, ever pointing each other back to him. Let's do that today, friends. Also, just seeing in the in the New Testament the design for the church, that command we mentioned in Romans 12, to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. Or Galatians talks about bearing one another's burden. And in this way, we fulfill the law of Christ. And one of the things that I encourage women with all the time is that the church needs your season. Like we need people who are joyful, whose stories we know, so that we can look up when suffering and say, this is not all there is. Like mm-hmm. the, Lord, the Lord does beautiful things still in the lives of people and he's doing beautiful things through my suffering. And I can see that on the face of my sister who just walked out of a season of suffering. Or, you know, if we ourselves are in a season of suffering, the church needs our tears to learn how to be a safe place to weep and in order to fulfill the law of Christ by bearing our burden. So it's just part of the design. And then I think also living in light of eternity just helps us to not view our circumstances or our gifts or our comfort as ultimate, which makes me think of Paul's words in Philippians 3. I count everything as loss because the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, that for his sake, he suffered the last of all things and counted them as trash. So it changes the way we cling to our stuff, you know, and we can still grieve the loss of people or the loss of dreams, but we grieve with hope and that changes things. Knowing Christ turns our if onlys into even ifs. Even if this is forever, I still will have joy in Christ. And then just a couple more. When we embrace God's word, we don't see our world is our kingdom anymore. So when we live our lives for the sake of the glory of God, worshiping him as king, then we view people primarily as characters in his story more than characters in our own. So it would follow that we stop viewing other people's suffering in terms of our own. And that's, you know, one of those one another commands comes there, like consider one another more important than yourselves. And we consider each other's griefs 
more important. And then lastly, I think, and this is probably the most crucial in my experience, just recognizing and embracing God's sovereignty. He is the one who gives and takes away and ordains our seasons. I think we're all familiar with Job's famous words on that. And then he works through individual lives and circumstances. No hair can fall from our head without his knowledge or his permission. The book of Esther shows that, how he works in the tiniest details to do the greatest things. And so we can trust him with our season and his sovereignty over this season of another, regardless of which position we're in. And then lastly, just he is good and his will is perfect. The echo verses of Psalm 1830 and 2 Samuel 2231. This God, his way is perfect. The law of the Lord proves true. And Psalm 145, all his ways are righteous. All his works are kind. Whether that means my womb is empty or full, whether that means I'm single or married, and whether I'm waiting or experiencing abundance. Yeah, so the word of God is essential to learning how to walk with one another. I'm so thankful for it. And it's interesting because in the midst of a season that's felt like full of more hardship than I would say normally characterizes my life, mm-hmm. I feel like closer to almost like the people that we see in scripture, like our spiritual heritage, if you will, like looking back, you're like, oh, like this is like not uncommon for the people of God to be walking through hardship and need, and also to be experiencing great joys in the midst of that. One of the joys is just being connected to God as you're navigating whatever it is that's in front of you. How does the gospel enable us to be connected to God in the midst of our various joys and hardships? Yeah, simply how would be that through Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. You know, the curtain is torn. And so he he wins us that access, which is amazing. In him and through him, by faith in him, we can enter God's presence with boldness and confidence, Ephesians 3. And so he wins us that access to God. But I think in so many cases in scriptures, we see this access to God and peace with him is spoken of in connection with peace and rejoicing, being joyful in hope, being patient in affliction, being persistent in prayer. And so that matters in our rootedness, that connection with God matters because it's a tether that even as we're tossed about by the storms of life or whether we find ourselves in joy or sorrow, that's the most important rooting factor in our life is our connectedness with him, our security with him. And I love the 30s verses of Romans 8, nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's so crucial to remember that our access to him cannot be broken by our joy or our pain. Nothing can separate us from him and from his love if we're in Christ. Mm-hmm. We well, talked about Psalm 121 in your significant Psalms summer series on Instagram. And at the end of Psalm 121, it says, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. He will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And one of the questions that I asked myself as I read that verse is, how is that possible if we are experiencing various evils or various degrees of evil on a daily basis as we live and navigate life on this side of eternity? 
being kept by God through the person of his son, Jesus, is how like the connectedness that we have to God, which is even more real uh, than the various hardships and joys that we face. If it's joy, there's more joy, right, to be had. And if it's evil, like bless the Lord that this is the, the worst evil that we will know. How does being connected to God change the way that we come alongside others? Even if they are in a season, like you mentioned, that might be more difficult for you to move toward based on the current season that you're in. We'll take them one at a time, the two sides of the same coin. So in joy, we remember that he moved towards us when we were unlovable and unworthy. So we love who he loves. Yes. If we're in Christ, we pay attention to who he touches and moves towards and we move towards those people. And so that's the weary, the downtrodden, the broken, the sorrowful. Those are the people Christ spent time with in his ministry. And we don't idolize our comfort when we are in relationship with the comforter, but we extend what we've known in him to others. And if he's put us in a position of abundance, we use that abundance for his glory and we give out of it. So if I'm in a season where I feel secure then I can help the person who's in a season where they are, you know, feeling tossed about. And I think conversely in sorrow, man, we are perfectly known and understood and accepted in Christ. I think it's Psalm 31 when David says something similar to this, but when we worry that everyone is tired of us or of our suffering or sick of hearing about it, we can keep showing up because we're accepted in Christ. And I think also just embracing the reality of what he says his body is supposed to be, we can keep showing up to that extension of himself, looking for care, even though our insecurity and shame would keep us away. So, and I think we're near to Christ in that place, Hunter. Like nothing can separate us from the love of God, but I think we can know it in a really unique and special way when we're suffering because we have a suffering savior. Yeah, I just hope women are encouraged to continue reaching for him and meditating on the richness and the realities of what he has done for us, how he moved towards us in love and mercy while we were yet dead. Dead people ain't fun to hang out with. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) I I think we have to remember, too, that like we cannot do the hard things that we are asked to do in Scripture. So like, all of those one another commands would not be there were they not possible for us through the work of the Holy Spirit. And so that's crucial to remember being connected to God is the way we engage with others when it's a challenge for us because we do anything that's done in faith through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that connectedness is essential. Absolutely. I think meditating on the gospel uh, really helps me to move toward those who are in need, mm-hmm. particularly my children. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't like to see like minis of ourselves either. That can be kind of uncomfortable. That's one of the ways that I navigate this tension. You know, I feel like at any given moment, I'm like walking along someone who is joyous and also someone who is suffering to one degree or another. Maybe at the, at the hand of the joyous one. <laughs> Uh, Exactly. I definitely experienced that in motherhood. I feel like I've experienced that a lot in this season with COVID. Uh, You know, we're up here in New Hampshire. Our family's all down in Texas. It's hard to see family still able to get together in a social distancing kind of manner. And yet we are unable to leave um, 
family in Oklahoma as well. Shout out. Uh, you know, mm. we can't be with our people and I can feel envious of that. Like you mentioned, there's so many ways that I feel like I'm walking in this tension. What are some ways that you have personally had to navigate this? Yeah. So I mentioned that situation just sisters and sisters-in-law with pregnancy, but I can remember feeling this in college where my friends were getting engaged, just trying to trust the Lord with my season and his timing. And But I think probably the most beautiful way I've ever experienced this challenge, a way I've seen it done well, that taught me how, how beautiful it could be, was in the season where we miscarried, we were in a small group. We were reading a small group that met in our home. And there was one night in particular where we went around in a circle and we did prayer requests And there was a couple that was in the process of separating and another couple that was like rejoicing over their anniversary trip. And then a a girl that was experiencing recurrent pregnancy loss, we had just miscarried. And then someone had just found out they were pregnant. It was all on one night. And I almost was like, dude, I can't believe you're sharing this prayer request right after this other person. (laughs) Yeah, just yeah. shared this like it was crazy <laughs> and I remember they left and I looked at my husband and I was like this small group is dead RIP like nobody is coming back and they all came back huh. and we needed each other I don't know if I mentioned the couple walking through infertility but like we just loved each other and met each other and were sad with each other and rejoiced with each other and I think it showed me the beauty of bearing with and showing up in small consistent ways, Mm -hmm. watching people overcome their guilt and their fear and their bitterness and envy, you know, in infertility or recurrent pregnancy loss or accidental conception or abuse and divorce and happy marriages. Like there was so much beauty in that, the bringing of meals and the practical care and the prayer. It was just such a clear picture of like, this is how it's supposed to be. And it also shows how God works in joy and in sorrow and allows us to comfort one another through the comfort that we've experienced through him. So, mm-hmm. What has he taught you as you've sought to show up, like you said, and not kind of run away from the tension of walking alongside those in joy and sorrow? I think the words of Paul, when I am weak, I am strong. There's places where you feel uncomfortable or challenged relationally are opportunities. I mean, he's bringing you low in those instances. There are opportunities to see your need for him, opportunities to ask for his help. And anytime we ask for his help, we have the joy of getting to see him help us, you know, and then glory to God alone when he dies. Is it weird that I feel like I'm never moving beyond that? (laughs) (laughs) No, that's good. I'm always there. You know that um, um, Jesus cast a look on me about him? Part of the lyrics of the first verse are just, make me poor and keep me low. Seeking mm. only thee to know. And I, it's a gift when he does that. Yes. It's a gift in your joy when you remember that that's a blessing, when you remember that, you know, nothing is sure. We're prepared to suffer by walking alongside other people in suffering. I've experienced that in my own life, but... There's nothing sweeter than when God helps you assume the posture a little more of depending on Him. Where is it that God's helping you stoop low and depend on Him for strength? Are these feelings of weakness a point of resentment for you? Or a point of praise? Are you anxiously trying to work your way out of your state of desperation? Or resolve to cling all the more to Christ? 
Here are a few questions I've been asking to examine my own heart and encourage those who I'm walking alongside to do themselves. Am I offering my feelings of weakness and inadequacy to the Lord? Have I stopped to drink deeply from the spring of his living water for refreshment and nourishment? Have I bent my knees in prayer to ask for his help? Am I trying to pull myself up by my bootstraps or trusting that the Lord will carry me through? And am I lifting my eyes to Jesus in my lowly state? If you feel weak today, sister, you are not alone. Let's look to the source of power and strength, Christ himself. And you mentioned something earlier, I thought it stood out to me. I don't know if this is the language you use, but like the truer reality, sort of. Mm -hmm. I think walking alongside one another in different seasons has also taught me the truer reality of my connectedness with Christ. Like when I've suffered, being like, man, you are just as good and just as real here. And it helped me to be prepared for suffering by experiencing it with other people. And I think also when the thing that I'm hoping for comes, the perils of plenty, when you're like, I got it all. Like I got what I was wanting. Like in that season, you can say, you're sweeter, Jesus. Like you're just as real and just as good here. And not just because the blessings, but of what you've given me through your finished work. Holding it all in tension, we're helped to do that as we continue in relationships with people in other seasons. But it helps us embrace the reality of what Christ has done for us and what he's given us as a truer reality than even our circumstances. Amen and amen. We've been talking about it almost as though you're experiencing joy or sorrow, but the reality for me is a lot of times I'm experiencing both. Like I'm experiencing the joy of my daughter taking her first steps and I'm experiencing the sorrow of her dad being deployed in that moment and not getting to see it. What encouragement do you have for someone who is experiencing that even now? Going back to earlier in this conversation where we talked about the wisdom God, God's word has for us, it's just helping us hold intention already in the not yet. We live in a fallen world with the gifts of Christ, union with Christ, waiting for ultimate redemption, right? And so there's never going to be any situation where like my life is perfect and someone else's life is hard. And I think knowing that is so important because it helps us live in the tension in our own lives. And as we've talked about living in that tension with others, helps us be more comfortable with it, with ourselves. Like I'm thinking about the movie Inside Out that we watched recently with our kids where like the whole thing is about learning to let happiness and sadness exist in the same moment and <laughs> exist in the same community and, and exist within ourselves. So it's really important to become comfortable in prayer with saying, you know, to you, Lord, I lift up my sorrow that Brooks is gone when she's taking her first steps. But also to you, oh Lord, I lift up my joy that she's walking. And those things can be held in tension. And that's why I love the Psalms because they're the hymn book for God's people. They're the songs he gives us for life and expression. And there's joy and sorrow. There are Psalms of lament. There are Psalms of praise. And there are Psalms that have joy and sorrow in the same song. And so we can sing it. We can sing it. We're free to sing it in Christ. And I think I also would say a word. I think sometimes it's hard when we feel like we would give anything to be in someone else's heart. And understanding that tension in our own lives and circumstances helps us understand it in theirs. 
you know, like if we just want to be married so bad, Mm -hmm. they're complaining about their marriage. We're not sitting there thinking, I would give anything for your heart. We're sitting there thinking, man, you've got the, the good thing I want and I'm seeing that it's hard and that helps me not view it as ultimate. Or self yeah. And so I think it's so important to br- embrace that reality in our own circumstances and, and to be able to imagine it, to use sort of a spiritual imagination, to imagine it in other people's circumstances too. You know, if you get pregnant after you lose a baby and the throwing up is more than you can bear or what it's doing to your body is more than you can handle, like you're free to lament that. It's okay for that to be hard. And so we can just be honest about good things being hard and hard things being good. We have that freedom in Jesus. Yeah, man, I really appreciate that. I've experienced that many times. A really helpful reminder to me, particularly as somebody who <laughs> tends to view things as one or the other. I am learning to <laughs> embrace the tension. Yeah, you're black and white and I'm gray. That's our difference. <laughs> Our other sponsor for today's episode is Compassion International. We are so excited to share with you about a partnership that we have started with Compassion International. Compassion's mission is to release children from poverty in Jesus's name. They do so by offering millions of children around the world a holistic child development program which blends physical, social, economic, and spiritual care to help children in poverty fully mature in every facet of life. Compassion's programs are Christ-centered, church-based, and child-focused. Jesus is at the core of who Compassion is, which means that everything they do for children is meant to reflect God's heart. Because Compassion is church-based, that means that all the work they do is through partnerships with the local church in 25 developing countries. We love that they have over 8,000 international church planters and over 65 years of experience. Their child-focused approach involves a commitment to long-term involvement in a child's life. Get to know children in poverty who are waiting for a sponsor at Compassion.com slash journeywomen. Sponsoring profoundly changes a child's future and will change your life as well. So what resources would you recommend for women who are seeking to glorify God as they too are navigating this tension? Not that we want to make it black and white again. You know, I'm happy there. How about a gray resource would be the Psalms. It'll help you live in the gray, you know, holding all the things in tension, but get a good commentary or good study on the Psalms, work through them. And then I think if you feel like you're in a joyous season, trying to love people well, who are walking through hard things, the book, What Grieving People Wish You Knew by Nancy Mm. Guthrie is so powerful for cultivating, just thinking about walking in someone else's shoes or how to love someone well, how to not misstep. You know, you talked about that fear of doing or saying the wrong thing. It's just such a helpful resource. And then there's a book by Melissa Kruger called The Envy of Eve. Mm-hmm. And if you're in a hard circumstance and sort of idealizing the lives of the people around you, it is a gift. I mean, it sounds like a scary book to pick up and it will be convicting, but it's yeah. so freeing. It helps you to call it what it is and to see the holes and the lies you might be believing. 
two of our past Journey Women guests. That's really fun. I'm excited to check those resources out. You know, you've been a guest before, as we mentioned, so uh, people can go back to your episode on shame uh, to access your simple joys, of which I know you have many, but I'd like (laughs) to narrow it down a little bit. What are three of your simple joys in ministry? All right, let's take them into three arenas for fun. In motherhood, like ministry and motherhood, I think, man, it just pumps me up to hear my kids talk about the Lord or to receive yeah. His Word or say the catechism. Like, I just love hearing the truth of God come out of the mouths of babes, right? And more recently, our four-year-old has started praying out loud randomly for things he needs or wants. Totally heretical prayers, by the way, but I just love it. Like, just watching his heart. Oh, uh, God is His help is awesome. Yeah, and I'm learning from them and with them, and that's a joy. That's awesome. Professionally, I love to open God's Word and to teach it. Hmm. It's like, you know, you th- Eric Lytle talked about when he runs, he feels God's pleasure, and that's like me when I'm speaking. Oh, I just love it. And getting to engage with people afterwards, because writing, you don't get to see people after they read, yeah. you know, so it's just fun to hear how things land. Yeah, and then in my local church, it's just such a gift to watch it click. You know, that moment where the formerly offensive gospel becomes good news to somebody or when a hard to swallow reality like God's sovereignty becomes sweet to somebody's taste. It just having a front row seat in God's work in the hearts of women, that's that's amazing. So I really love it with students, especially because they're in such a pivotal time of growth and watching God work beyond me is a gift to you when they graduate and go, you know, three or four steps down the road with somebody else discipling them and hearing if how he's still at work in their lives. Those are some simple joys in ministry for me. I love it so much. Well, who is it that's had the greatest impact on the way you go about walking alongside others and pointing them to the truth of God's word? I think a friend who is in that small group with us, my friend, Emily Rogers, she would be mortified if she listens to this episode. She'll just be like, what? You know, she gave birth to a stillborn baby girl last year and She was pregnant when we lost our baby and just, she pushed through her guilt hard and was honest about how she felt and just loved well. And then when she, when she lost her baby girl, Lily, last year, like being able to go and visit her. And I think it's the most comfortable I've ever felt weeping with someone. Like Mm. we just had built up a lot of experience and born through a lot of life together. And so watching her do it well, having the opportunity to do it with her and seeing her humility to receive. She's just been a gift. Mm, That is so precious. I say it often, but there's nothing like walking alongside women in your local context. It's not easy. No, it's Mm -hmm. not. It's far less glamorous uh, in a lot of ways, but I think it's quite potent. And I'm so grateful that the Lord set it up that way. He doesn't get the address wrong, as Rosaria Butterfield says. Even though she moved away, I'm still a little mad about it, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, you can also walk alongside others, even if you're separate in proximity. And I'm super grateful for the way that you've done that with me. Thank you so much for allowing me the opportunity to give you this space to do that with all of our listeners today. It's been a joy to have you on the show. It's a joy to just get to be with you and to be on the Journey Women podcast. We pray this conversation with Abby encourages you as you walk through your own joys and sorrows. But we also hope it's offered you some helpful tools for walking alongside other women as they do the same. 
Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on new episodes as they release every Monday. If you want to catch us throughout the week, you can find us on socials at Journey Women Podcast. Today's episode was mixed and produced by Chad Michael Snavely and the team at Sound On, Sound Off. We are so grateful for them and for you. It's a joy to get to journey alongside you guys. Can't wait to see you here next Monday. Have a great week.